God. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Welcome. Greetings. I uh, hope you're all okay. Uh, as I said in the first service, I hope your team won yesterday. Uh, my team did not, but that's okay because it's um, another day next week, and we hope they, they played actually played pretty good. I, I'm a Husker fan, although I will say this, uh, pro-wise, I don't know, if, should we pray for Carolina? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for <laughs> Carolina right now. Start the season off good. Let Cam have a good day. Uh, as Cam goes, the Panthers go. So let, Pan, let Cam show up. And if you're a Cowboy fan, just stop. stop. <laughs> uh, Marcus and I are going to help um, Every Home for Christ uh, tomorrow. Uh, with a short project in Oakland, California. So we leave in the morning, afternoon project tomorrow. And uh, then the gentleman that we're helping out, he was able to secure tickets to the Raiders game, uh, of which I am. And so we're going to go to the Raiders game tomorrow night. And then another appointment Tuesday morning uh, in outside of Sacramento. We'll fly back uh, Tuesday afternoon, early evening. We'll be back in, um, in the Carolinas. And so pray for us for good travel. Uh, pray for the Raiders. It's, you don't have to pray for them. If they, if they haven't practiced, they're not going to win. You know, it's a, and same with Carolina. If Cam has a good day, they win. If Cam doesn't, then, uh, you know, pray for Luke Keekley that he doesn't have another concussion. <laughs> we have, all right, anyways, you know how that goes, right? So uh, go Panthers, uh, go Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboy fan on the Go Jesus! There you go. There you go. All right, so. <laughs> We're talking about uh, being disrupted, part two uh, in this series. And so life is full of disruptions. And uh, we talked about them last week, natural disruptions, uh, uh, personal disruptions, spiritual disruptions. Some even natural disruptions, you know, are just by order. Uh, I was reminded this morning when I was up early praying uh, 30 years ago, uh, we were at um, Yellowstone National Park. Anybody been to Yellowstone? It is a wonderful, beautiful place to visit. And we were up there. Marcus was four years old. Uh, and the park was on fire. So all the wildlife was, was coming down. And so we were watching bison and buffalo cross the road. And uh, I think we saw a bear from a distance, a lot of elk. It was just beautiful. And uh, they were talking about how the park was burning and it was such a tragedy. And I just read this week, because it's the year, 30 year anniversary, uh, just recently, the summer of the, of the big, the largest wildfire that they had on record, uh, of how everything has sprung back and everything is replenished and refreshed. And so sometimes that's how forests uh, regenerate themselves is through a fire, through a purge, which by the way, if we allow the Lord to purge our sin, we then become regenerated. We become refreshed and renewed and restored. And so not all uh, disruption is bad. There are good, there's good disruption. Today we're going to talk about Abraham, whose life was probably disrupted as much or more than anybody else's life. 
And if he allowed that disruption to take place, good things are going to happen. If he didn't, then we're not sure what was going to happen. But because he did, and he was a great father of faith and a man of faith, then that disruption turned out to be a good thing, really, for all of us. So as is our custom, I'm asking you to stand for just a moment as we read out of Romans, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 16. The Bible says, For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty, and the promise then is canceled. For the law produces wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you, Lord, for uh, blessing. We thank you, Lord, for those seasons even of disruption that we're not sure what takes place. But, Lord, we know that you are continually uh, molding us, that we're the clay, you're the potter, we're on the wheel, and you're shaping us into be the people that we need to be. So bless each person today within the sound of my voice, Lord, to no matter what season they're in, disruption or not, Lord, that they would be the person that you have molded them and are molding them to be. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing, <coughs> excuse me, of the reading of the Word of God. So disruption, and, and we see here in Romans the back end of the story uh, rather than the start of the story. And so I want to I give you my, my first point this morning is your disruption starts a story. So much of life is given when we're disrupted. Much of things take place that we're in the middle of the story or we're writing a story. You think of maybe like a new job or a new career. We think of maybe possibly a, a, a location change, a, a transfer, someone moving to a new area, a new part of the town, a new part of country, a new part of, a, of the state where maybe they're going to school or starting a new job. Or their life becomes disrupted. It could be good things. It could be bad things. And Abraham's life here was being disruptive. And we'll read in just a second out of Genesis, the 12th chapter, on how God disrupts Abraham's life. But maybe your life or your season of your life is being disrupted. Something new. The school year started. We have a lot of our young people going to class or going to university or college, and they're, they're getting into this new place that maybe they've not gone to before. And, and one thing I knew about college is a lot of times the instructors didn't care as long as the check cleared. In other words, going to school was your job. Going to class was your job. You know, we don't always have mom and dad around to push us to the, the next level. There's a disruption there that takes place. Let's go to Genesis, the 12th chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3 for a second. And we'll give you Abraham's disruption. The Lord said to Abram, which was his name before he became Abraham, go out from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will curse those who I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. There's this uh, occurrence that takes place in the scriptures with Abraham's life on being disruption. The disruption occurs 
because of the curse that's placed on the garden of uh, Adam and Eve. So the, the curse takes place and the curse comes through man because man fell. So God has to restart a plan of what's going to take place. And through that plan, disruption takes place. So your disruption sometimes will start a story in your life. Maybe it's an un unexpected death. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's a, a birth of a child. But there starts a story. And as I shared in the first service, I when I go to movies, I don't like movies that have bad endings. I, I don't like it when the main character dies. I don't like it when, uh, you know, somebody, something happens. Or I don't like it when the script is like one of those movies where you fill in the blanks. Janie and I will go to a movie and uh, sometimes we just go for the popcorn. We get the bucket, we go for the popcorn, what do you want to see? It doesn't matter. We just want the popcorn and a soda. It's the most expensive popcorn in the world, uh, but we go there anyways. There's like an addictive smell or scent to it, right? And so we'll go and then at the very end of whatever particular movie we're watching, it'll be like well, that was a weird ending. What do, what do you think? And she'll give her idea. Well, this is what I think happened. I'll give my idea. Well, this is what I think happened. I don't like writing the ending to the story. And I don't like a movie with a bad ending. My father passed away a few years ago of pancreatic cancer. And we went to go see a show uh, in the fall of that year when he was first diagnosed. And it was, a, a, I forget the name of the movie, but it was the, the son and his father was dying of cancer. It was like the whole movie, I just sobbed like a little baby. I just cried. And it was, just, it was horrible. It was just a horrible, horrible movie. And I'm sure it was a great movie. It was good acting. It was like all that. Jane was like, wasn't that a good movie? No. It was a heart-wrenching movie. It was totally horrible. And this is why I like the Hallmark Movie Channel. You can think I'm weak. You can think I'm sad. You can think, what? how in the world can you even describe it? Well, I'm a Hallmark movie, you know, the, you know it's like... Uh, person, big city, comes to small town and uh, re-meets a person, the love of their life, and they're, they're always engaged to someone back in New York City when they come there, and they got to save the family, you know, farm, business, uh, cookie shop, uh, whatever, cake bakery. They got to save it, and they, they have all this knowledge, and when they get there, it's like, well, I'm only going to be here for three weeks, and you know the story. They're going to fall in love with the person that they went to high school with, and that long-lost love, and this person, he really is a scoundrel anyways, and so in New York City, it's such a bad place to live, and who wouldn't want to live in, you know, uh, uh, Blowing Rock, uh, North Carolina, which is like a Hallmark city, by the way. And so uh, at the end of the story, you know, the last 30 seconds, you know, every turn and twist, you could write the script for these guys. And then every turn and the very last 35 or maybe 38 seconds, uh, she's going to kiss him and stay in the town. Happy ending. Great story. And you're like, ah, it's not, but listen, that's really the Bible. If you read the end of the book, it's a happy ending. It's a really good story. We, we win in the end. Church, we win. No matter how disruptive our lives might be, it's just temporary. I'm like Janie, I hate anxiety. I hate what it does to people. I hate how it controls people. But the worst thing we can say to anybody who might be anxious is get over it. 
The best thing we can do is, hey, let's pray about this thing. You know, we're, we're more than conquerors. We can beat this thing. This is just simple. And if you have ever been in sales, you might be anxious at some point in time. Is the deal going to go through? Are they going to sign the contract? Right? You just keep having faith in God, okay? If you're anxious and you're a believer, the enemy knows that might be a way through you because he's scared. Listen, the devil's a liar. If he's making you anxious, it's because he's anxious that you are a, a warrior. You are a, you are a dynamo for the kingdom, and he doesn't want you to know and walk in your fullness of power. Okay? So you're writing a story. Abraham was writing a story, and he was writing a story with blessing in it. He didn't know it. His life was being disrupted. Listen, he had to leave everything, and the backstory is his family was very wealthy. They owned an awful lot, and he has to leave his family. He has to leave his friends. He has to leave everything he knows, and he's going. The Bible says God said he would tell him where he was going. He didn't even know where he was going to go. King James Version says in the first word of the 12th chapter is the word now. Everybody say now. now. Now, subject of a new revelation. That's what that word means, now. And so you have to look for now moments in your life. You have to look for that now moment. Is this disruption something that God is trying to move me to write a new story? Maybe he's got a new ministry. Maybe he's got a new career. Maybe he's got a new business. Maybe he's got a new thing. There are, there are disruptions in our life that are both good and bad. Maybe it's an unexpected death of a loved one. Maybe it's a, a divorce. Maybe it's bankruptcy. Maybe it's a, a birth of a loved one. Maybe it's something that's, that's going on in your life. Maybe it is a new challenge at school or a new job or a new career. Good things, but they're disruptions in our life that start us to write a story. I tell people, I love the testimony. I hate the tests. I hate walking through the tests. I remember when I was 23 and my beautiful wife was 21 and she was pregnant with our third child. And I just got laid off our third job. And the third child is Marcus. Most of you know him. Marcus is full of energy. We went to Long John Silver's after Sunday night service. Remember Sunday night service? That was the long service, like two hours, two hours and 20 minutes. That's when you praised and worshiped for an hour and a half, and you had a, a good word. It was fire brimstone. You spent time at the old-fashioned altar. We did that. And then on the way home, Janie said, how about Long John Silver's? She was pregnant. She got to pick the place to eat. She still picks the place to eat. And that's okay. She usually picks a good place. I'll throw a couple names out there. The other day I threw some names out there, places to eat. She said, nah. So then she said, well, where do you want to eat? Honey, just name three places. Just tell me. It's food. I don't care. I'm a red-blooded American. If it's, got, if it's meat, I'm going to eat it. Now, those of you who are vegetarians, I still pray for you every day that you'll come to know the fullness of Jesus Christ. Get to know that red meat. It's good for you. You're going to die. Anyways, <laughs> newsflash, spoiler alert, it's appointed that the man wants to die. After that, dessert. <laughs> so just, just bear with me. We went to Long John Silver's and uh, we went home, get the, our two daughters ready for bed and, and Janie's water broke and she said, uh-oh, it's, it's time to go. I'm like, okay. The first time water broke, she was fixing her hair, putting makeup on and all that. And so I know the drill. We got to drop the girls off at her sister's house. We're going to the hospital. And she said, we probably need to get there really quickly. This one's a little different than the other two. Yes, he is. <laughs> you talk about disruption. 
And 45 minutes later, I was running down the hospital hall looking for anybody in a scrub. I didn't care if it was a janitor. I didn't care if it was a pharmacist. I didn't care if it was an, I didn't care if you had one of these outfits on, you could be the dog groomer. You're coming in, you're gonna deliver our baby, okay? And the, and by the time I got back, yeah, Marcus was most of the way out. Janie was screaming at the top of her lungs. She did not like anybody at that moment. I wasn't, taking the, I wasn't taking credit for anything, okay? Marcus came out and he's been disruptive ever since. Probably seen more people, more people one to Jesus than anybody in this room. He's a, he's a machine, he's an evangelist, but he disrupted our lives at that point in time. 21 years old, 23 years old with three kids and no job. Don't tell me how a life can be disrupted. I've been there, I wrote the book on it, okay? <laughs> Anxiety, yeah, it was named Mark, M-A-R-K. I walked around anxious. Here's my point. Everything, church, everything, nearly every part of your life, good or bad, starts with a disruptive moment. And it's a story that you'll start to write. Now, keep it in perspective. Don't let that story get too far to the right or too far to the left. Don't let that story get too far out of hand. If you'll keep your faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And David said, a righteous man steps are ordered by the Lord. If David is correct in saying that, and I believe he is in writing it, I believe it's Holy Spirit led, then the story that you're writing, the season that you're walking through, that's ordained by God. Disruption then is part of what God does to get his point, not across to you, but through you so that somebody else can get help. Let me give you this, a couple points here, uh, sub-points. Uh, he says here, go and I will make. Listen, I love this part because he says go, a verse or two later he says I will make you and he gives the seven blessings. I'll bless you, I'll keep you, I'll bless the people through you, I'll curse those who curse you. All these promises which, by the way, are good for us as well. So when he blesses these people and he gives his promises, then we know we can attach to that. But he says and I will make. Same thing in effect that Jesus says in Matthew 28. This is why we believe and want to partner with organizations that want to reach our people for Jesus Christ is he says Jesus says go and make in other words I've already made you I've already blessed you now it's your turn to go and make right are you with me this is why it's important for us as an organization as a church to set up times where we can be evangelistic just in case people aren't evangelistic by nature if you're evangelistic by nature thank you God bless you if you're not, maybe you're introverted, or maybe you just need a partner, something to go out with. We want to make plans during the year where you can partner with people to go knock on a door and simply say, hey, can I pray with you? I'm from Grace Church. We're just out in the neighborhood today praying for people. Most people will not miss an opportunity to be prayed for. Everybody wants prayer. So he says, go and I will make, and Jesus says, go and make, and then that, the last one is, I will bless you and you will be great. How many want to be blessed? Just be honest, it's okay. I want to be blessed. Do what Jesus says to do and you'll be blessed. That's part of it. So Abraham's life is disruptive, but there's a story starting that we're talking about now some 4,000 years later. We're talking about this story still. Why? Because this man, this great man of faith, who, by the way, lied, mistrusted, uh, had problems, had issues, had, had a child out of wedlock, all these things. We're saying him. he's the father of faith. He's the father of nations. He's the father of three different religions. All these things are taking place. Why? Because he did exactly what God told him to do. Now, those things God didn't tell him to do, but that was part of his journey. That was part of his destination. That was part of his 
story. Let's go to point number two is this. Yesterday's disruption creates faith to fight tomorrow's fears. That's a mouthful, but you can write that down. Yesterday's disruption creates faith to fight tomorrow's fears. Janie and I, early in our marriage, had it very rough financially. We had kids way too early. We were, we were struggling. Interest rates were way high. But now when someone says, hey, what do I do financially? I say, hey, listen to this. Be faithful to the house of the Lord that you attend. Bring your tithe to the storehouse because then your finances are God's finances. They're his problems are your problems. His pro your problems are his problems. And then be wise and praise for wisdom every day. Pray the proverb of the day. If today's the 9th of September, pray, uh, pray and read Proverbs number 9. There's so much wisdom that can be ingested in those things, right? And so when we learn these things as young believers and weren't sure how things were going to work out, our faith was in God. So that, then what happened was it created faith for the next problem. Now you zoom forward some 30 years, and my wife's in the hospital on her deathbed, and people are like, what's going to happen? What's, what are we going to do? We're going to put our faith and trust and hope and belief in God. If we put our faith in God in our finances, we put our faith in God in our health. If we put our faith in God in our marriage, we put our faith in God in our, in our, in our bank check, in our, in our bank book. Whatever we do, we just don't pick and choose. We have to be all in. But God sets the principle then that as these testimonies start to take place, it's like, man, that's a great story. Uh, most of you are aware of Bill Wilson, Metro Ministries, and he used to come preach for us in our, our first church in Shenandoah, and he's preached here, I think, two or three times. And when our second time we had him in Shenandoah, Bill can be ornery. He can just be a little agitated, right, Marcus? Marcus worked for him for four or five months out there. He can be a little bit nasty at times. Like, you're not sure what bill you're going to get. Super nice guy, been around the world. He's evangelistic. Bill comes in, and Bill's got all kinds of stories. And we brought him in, and he had just been shot, and uh, he had plastic surgery, and he battled a brain tumor, and all these kind of things. And Andrew was like in the third grade, and he's throwing the ball out in front of church with Andrew. And a week later, Andrew says, Papa, you got you to gotta get yourself some of those stories like Pastor Bill does. Remember that, honey? I remember like it yesterday. No, I, I don't really want to get shot. <laughs> what kind of stories are you talking about, buddy? <laughs> I don't want a brain tumor. I, I mean, I don't want all these things. But you, listen, we magnify the story sometimes on how they're told. And people have told me, man, Pastor, you got some stories. I do, but you do too. Hey, we all have stories, church. Your stories, your testimony. Some people say, Jenny, Jenny got saved in the womb. <laughs> like, she, that's all she knows. And she, well, I don't know if I have those stories. Like, so, you have stories. Everybody has a story. Those of you who have lived it your whole life, your story is the best, in my opinion. Those of you who have been born and raised in church, you're God-fearing, you love God, you got baptized with the Holy Spirit, five years old, speaking in tongues, yours is the best story. Don't change your story. But there's going to be disruption at some point in time in our life, good or bad, the birth like Marcus or a lost job, a death of somebody unexpected, or, or maybe a really cool marriage, moving to a new town, there's a disruption. But if you allow God to walk you through those disruptions by faith, the next time a disruption comes along, you're going to say, I got this. Rather, God's got this in me, amen? 
And you'll know because it's a faith walk every step of the way. The third and last point is this. Your disrupted flaws become God's faucet. This is the point I want to get to because some people will say, this disruption I didn't hand real well. I didn't, I didn't do it very good, Pastor or, or Miss Janie or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a flawed person. Can I say this? We're all flawed. Every single one of us has issues we're trying to work through. And God's going to judge your heart and try to help you with those issues. But your disruptive flaws becomes a faucet for God to use. He likes to use people that are just a little bit disrupted and flawed. He liked using Abraham, even though he made some poor decisions. In fact, I have a list for you of people in the scriptures who were just a little bit flawed, just a little bit disrupted. Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job was bankrupt. Moses was, had a speech impediment. Gideon was afraid. He was a coward. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. By the way, I preached a message on Mother's Day about Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute and we got home that day and it didn't go over so well because like moms don't want to consider themselves as prostitutes <laughs> Jenny said what were you thinking I said apparently I wasn't <laughs> she, she said you might want to rethink that one next year I said okay so the next year I said honey you want to preach she said maybe I'll have a go at it I ask her every Mother's Day now honey you want to preach she sometimes she says yes sometimes she says no but whenever she says no she says what are you preaching <laughs> I say not Rahab the harlot Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young and insecure. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything and worried about everybody else. Zacchaeus was small and was money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying twice. Paul, a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before becoming one. These people, when we read their names in Scripture, by the way, many of which are in Hebrews 11 chapter, we think, man alive, those guys really got it on. They had flaws. Church, they had flaws. People that have flaws are often used by God. If you have flaws, you qualify. Well, I can't do that. I've got this flaw. No, you qualify. God loves you. Now, let me read this list one more time in a different order. Abraham was the father of faith. Elijah was a prophet who stopped the rain. Joseph was a leader of all of Egypt. Job was twice blessed, double portion. Everybody say double portion. Moses was a deliverer of the Israelites. Gideon was a warrior and did more with 300 people than one man would have done with 30,000. Samson was a judge. Rahab had the lineage of the Christ child work through her. The Samaritan woman saw a revival a whole town wide. Noah was a, a saved the human race. Jeremiah turned out to be a prophet that woke, wept over nations. Jacob, uh, whose name was turned into Israel. David was the greatest king Israel ever known. Jonah was a preacher who saw revival. Naomi became a mother to someone who lost her husband. Peter had preached the greatest revival in the book of Acts. Martha was a servant leader that showed us how it should be done. Zacchaeus made it right and gave back four times. The disciples spread the word across the world. And Paul wrote two-thirds of the book of the New Testament. You talk about taking a flaw and making something good come of it. 
But we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Let me talk to you about the greatest disruptor of all times. He hung on a cross 2,000 years ago. He disrupted the gates of hell. He disrupted death. He cursed sin. He calls you his own and he calls you saved. He's the lover of mankind. He's the restorer and a redeemer. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He disrupts the very ground that the devil said is his. He says, no, it's not. They're mine. Give it up for Jesus Christ today because he loves you and he cares. God works through disruption. He works through people whose lives seemingly are disrupted. But no, see, God cares. And Jesus knows what it's like to come as a baby in a manger. Talk about disruption. To go from, from having everything in heaven to having nothing on this earth. He knows what it's like. He says, the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. He said, I have no brothers or sisters or mother or father. These are my brothers and sisters. You talk about a man who was disrupted. Why was he disrupted? He was disrupted for you and for me. He was disrupted so that he would know what you felt like when you were walking through a disrupted season in your life. Let's read Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 20 through 22. He did not waver, talking about Abraham, in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced. Somebody needs to write that in their notes today, that you are fully convinced. You are fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was accredited to him for righteousness. See, we serve a good God. We say it every week. But I know every week, week in and week out, there's people here whose lives are completely disrupted. Your, your lives are completely a mess. Some of, some of it's our fault. Some of it's other people's fault. Some of it we just don't know. Some of it truly is God saying, I know this is upon you, but you're going to have a tremendous story to write after this. I'm going to challenge every person right here and right now this morning. If you'll stand right where you're at, and just raise your hands towards heaven. And if whatever you're going through in your life, if it's a disruption, if it's not a disruption, if it's something in your life that's, man, I feel like I'm flawed because we have people here that just don't feel like they're good enough. Let me tell you, you are good enough. Jesus Christ came and he died for you. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know my sin. I don't have to. Jesus does. And if you cast your cares upon him, he does one of two things. If you cast your cares upon him, he becomes your savior. If you don't, he becomes your judge. Simple as that. Why not turn that judge into salvation today? Why not turn that flaw into something that Jesus can use by, by his grace? That's why we call it Grace Church. We accept people just the way they are, knowing that Jesus will, will change us from the inside out. We may have flaws. We may have a story. We may have a faith or a testimony. But this morning, if your hands are raised to him, just say, just cry out, Father, use me. Lord, I need you. I care. I love you. Father, I pray right now for every person here today, those that are battling anxiety, we rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Command it to go in Jesus' name. Those who are battling flaws and insecurity and past, Father, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. We speak the blood of Jesus Christ upon them. They are a valued child, son and daughter of yours. We speak today, Father, for those who are boldly professing Christ as their Lord and Savior. Continue to use them and let them share that good news with other people. Father, we love you and we acknowledge today that you are the Christ. You are the Lord. And we thank you for grace. 
Thank you that by uh, your promise to Abraham, that grace is guaranteed for us as long as we accept it. So, Father, today we accept that. We thank you. Our church begin to worship as they begin to sing. We'll just worship and tell him. We'll tell him exactly where you're at and love on Jesus for the next few minutes. God bless you.
the one that gives us knowledge. He gives us wealth. He's the one that gives us everything we have needed, but we just learn to do what Pastor talked about and just be brave. And when those disruptions come in your life, like Marcus came in our life, it was a good disruption. We wasn't ready for that, but it came anyway, and I'm so glad that it did. Um, write your story. It's just part of your story. And Pastor preached a message few years ago called Write Your Story, and I think it's probably on the archives. It is still to this day my favorite message series he's ever done, and it's all about when disruptions or things happen in your life or situations. It's just part of your story. It may not be your favorite chapter in the book, but it's part of what made you who you are. It's what brought you to this place because you went through this, and so you're just writing your story. It may not, may not be an easy part of the chapter, but it's what's going to make you stronger and build you up. So you just write your story this week. And disruptions, though sometimes hard, is part of your story. It's making you who you are. It's making you what God wants you to be. And you learn how to walk through that. So do it bravely. Amen. Now, don't forget, we're, if you're... Um, you haven't been to the luncheon downstairs if you have time today i just invite you to come down that's what i've been doing running up and down stairs cooking and putting things in the oven and so it's ready it should be ready so come down and eat lunch and those are for you that um i don't even want to say a member we call it more of a partnership and a partner you want to learn how to get involved in the church then just come on downstairs have lunch with us and find out what it's about and get to know you. So let me just pray a blessing over you. Father, we thank you and we love you and we bless you. We just thank you for this service today. We thank you, Lord, as Marcus gave that word that he saw chains just falling off. So Lord, we just declare that and we call that to pass right now in the name of Jesus. As he has seen it in the spirit, we declare it in the natural. Anxiety chains have fallen this morning through the word, through the music, through the through your Holy Spirit. Chains are broken. Everything, Lord, is falling into order through every disruption. It's just part of your plan. It's part of who you're making us to be, and we receive it, and we walk through it with bravery and victory. We love you, and we bless you. I pray you just cause increase over each person's life, blessings over their homes, over their commissions and businesses, whatever their work is. I call forth blessings from heaven. Whatever is being held up, we say open up and let it flow. We give you glory, honor, and praise for you are good in Jesus' name. Amen. We love y'all so much. And we'll see some of you downstairs. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Be blessed. for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.